except for Ethan. What's worse, having the pastor call you forward or going to the principal's office? <laughs> Never been to the principal's office? Doesn't even know where it is, right? <laughs> sure, sure, that's what they all say. Come on up, Ethan, if you would. Graduation was about a month and a half ago now. A little, little while on that. Um, but we have a gift for Ethan, and you're, just so I understand, you're headed to Lansing yep. to go to welding school, and you're going to be living with your sister. Yes. Okay, what's worse, living with your sister, going to the principal's office, or having the pastor call you up front? <laughs> <laughs> Hard telling, right? You'll find out. Um, I'm going to pray for Ethan real quick, and uh, just as he goes, that uh, the Lord would watch over and keep him, and we just want to give a, a gift and a card from thank the you. church. Father, we thank you for uh, this life that stands before us, and we ask that you would go with him to Lansing as he goes to welding school, that, uh, Father, that he would seek your will in his life, and that he would follow the, the right paths, the narrow path, uh, that he would make wise decisions, and, and help him as he's going to be living with his sister, that um, just that if there are adjustments that need to be made, that, that they'll make those and that they'll be good at that. I, I, I kind of get the idea that they will be, uh, that, that there won't be a big adjustment or problem. But, Father, we do ask that, that uh, you would take care of them and, and watch over Ethan as he's at school, help him to excel and to do his best work. And we thank you for uh, what his life represents. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And, and he graduated, so, you know. Um, for, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I won't say anything else. Um, as Stephen mentioned earlier, uh, we have some aliens in the church this morning. They got these funny black things in their ears. Um, they're not aliens, really. They're, they're hearing our, oh, he is an alien? Okay, we do have one alien, Beth said, over here. Um, can those of you that are wearing them are they helping can, can you hear better good that's that's the purpose and the goal last Sunday at our business meeting we voted to to buy these devices uh, Steve got on the horn ordered them last Sunday they got here by Thursday and he uh, did all the stuff that he had to do the magic over there to, to make that happen um, if you If, if you wear hearing aids or are in need of assistance, see Stephen. Now, if you, if you do wear hearing aids, there, there is another device that we can purchase to make it better for you. But if you are fine with what you have, we don't want to spend all the money and buy 10 of these other devices if, if what you're wearing and the way it's working right now is working. Okay? Um, so be, talk, talk to Stephen about it when you turn those back in. And, and find out. And if there's anybody else that didn't hear Stephen at the beginning because you're hard of hearing, um, see Stephen afterwards or next Sunday morning when you come so that he can get you hooked up with one of these uh, hearing-assisted devices, okay? Because we want you to be able to, to uh, receive the full benefit of the, the whole service uh, and, and not just sit there going, I can't hear because I can't hear, you know? That's, that's not a good thing. So... Um, we're praying that these will be the answer to prayer we've been looking for and that they will be helpful. So if you do need assistance, uh, see Stephen uh, before service next week, okay? Um, now I'm going to...
shut up because Ray's saying, Pastor, you were going to give it to me at 1020 and it's already 1030. So um, you, you got permission to go to at least 1130. And if you're, you know, what, what did you tell me last night? They tell you to, if, if you're the last one still up here at the end and everybody else is gone, just shut the lights off and close the door when you leave, all right? Um, just a real quick note, after the service, there will be a linger longer, give you an opportunity to spend a few minutes getting to know them better. Um, and if you look at your church calendar, there's also a linger longer on the, the um, calendar for next Sunday. Please scratch that off. The, I fired the secretary last week because of that. So just take that other linger. There is not another linger longer next week. But Ray and Annette, please come and share. Bom dia a todos. É nosso prazer para chegar aqui hoje de manhã para apresentar nosso trabalho do, das várias cidades do Brasil. Essa é minha linda esposa, Annette. I'm his wife, Annette. <laughs> não, ela não falou tudo o que eu falei, não. I didn't tell <laughs> nosso ministério, quando eu falo nossa, eu estou incluindo entre todos de vocês. When I speak on our ministry, you all are included in that group. Desde nossa primeira apresentação aqui, há muitos anos antes. Since our first, when we first came here and presented our desire to go to Brazil. Nós estávamos seu... seu apresentador no Brasil com o Evangelho de Jesus Cristo. We were your extension of the gospel in Brazil. O que nós estamos fazendo hoje de manhã? What we would like to do this morning. Agora. Now, com esse... Oh, with this, with this exchange and trad... Muitas, muitas vezes quando pessoas visit, nos visitam no Brasil... A lot of times when people visit us in Brazil. Eu falo para eles que o culto que geralmente é só 20 minutos normal. Uh, I explain to them that um, a regular message of 20 minutes. Mas quando tem que traduzir aumenta 40, 45 minutos. But when you have to translate, then it at least doubles or even more. Então o pastor não entendeu. So. Oh, Pastor Michael didn't understand. Que o mensagem é uma hora. The service, the preaching usually lasts an hour. Mas com ela traduzindo vai demorar duas horas. And me translating, it's going to be two hours. <laughs> Parece está alegre. Uh, you seem happy about that. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay. We just wanted to give you a little bit of what it's like when we do have people visit in Brazil because I tell them, I tell the young pastors that are there, I tell them, don't tell jokes. Pastors like to tell jokes. I tell them, don't tell jokes. And so I had one young pastor, what did he do? About halfway through the message, starts telling a joke. I start translating it. It's nothing. They're not understanding anything. So about halfway through his joke, I said, I'm going to laugh, and when I start laughing, you laugh. He'll think it's funny then, and he'll be happy. 
And so he got all done, so I started laughing, so everybody started laughing. And when we were done, the pastor, uh, the pastor said, they liked their joke, they laughed. I said, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I told him one time, I said, you know what's the penalty for more than ha having more than one wife? It's more than one mother-in-law. Three days later, somebody come up to me and patted me on the shoulder and said, Pastor, I got it. More than one wife. <laughs> no, never mind. <laughs> we don't go that far. But it is our, our, our privilege to come present our ministry to, to, to you today. Uh, we've been there in a little over 30 years. And God has blessed in a lot, of, a lot of ways with a lot of new ministries. A lot of things that's been going on. Um, you have the best pastor that you could have, and you preach is wonderful, so I'm not going to do a lot of preaching. I'm going to do more like Paul said. I'm going to go back and rehearse how God is blessed in the ministry. So that's more of what I'm going to do this morning. So we're just going to walk you through a few slides that we brought to update you a little bit on what's been happening. Uh, to give you a little bit of an overview, yes, we did. I did go back after I got out of the hospital with COVID. I had a Muslim doctor tell me it was going to take a miracle for me to leave the hospital. I said, that's okay. I know the God of miracles. So when I left, I said, do you still want me to tell you about that God of miracles? And he turned around and walked away and didn't talk to me anymore. But God is the God of miracles, and I stand before you for that today. Uh, just a quick update, my shoulder. Uh, we went to a specialist when we first got back. He, he, when I was in Brazil, our doctor there looked at my shoulder at the MRI, and all she said was, oh, no. My wife started crying, <laughs> but when we got back, we, he did it again. What, is, what it is, there's four tendons on your shoulder. Two of them are rotted. They can't, they can't reconnect them at all. The third one is torn in half, so, and the fourth one is complete. So they said, as long as I can use it, don't do surgery, because it'll probably mess it up worse if they go in and do surgery than not. Uh, he said, I had a man, an old farmer, come in after about 20 years of having a tore up shoulder. He said, well, can you raise your hand above your head? And the old man said, are you sure I can? <laughs> you know, he said, that kind of, you just adapt. And he said, you're just going to have to adapt. So he's putting me on some physical therapy. I uh, got some kind of a horse shot to take, help me with the pain a little bit. And so we're, that's what we're doing. Uh, the only restrictions I've found so far, uh, it's not as easy to carry to raise a 10-pound sledge above your head anymore. Uh, or a five-pound power drill. That's not as easy. You've got to use two hands now sometimes. But other than that, we're good to go. Uh, the Lord's blessed, and so we're just continuing on. Uh, and, but I do appreciate your prayers. I know a lot of people were praying for myself and my wife and our children when I was in the hospital with COVID. And there were a couple of touchy times, but God did bring us through, and I praise the Lord for that. Uh, the only drawback I have is with that, I had pneumonia, so I've lost about 25 to 30% of my lungs. Uh, basically, what the doctor told me is I'm going to have symptoms of emphysema the rest of my life. Uh, she's put me on a spray. She said, anytime you do any physical exercise or anything like that, she said, just take a spray. It'll open up your esophagus and try to help you breathe a little bit. That's actually the only thing I'm restricted on, is doing a lot of uh, Exophysical exercise and not thinking about it, go running up the stairs and do it two or three times and forget that when you get to the top of the stairs the second time, you shouldn't have done it, okay, because you can't hardly breathe. Well, that's where I'm at now. I kind of 
Got to be reminded to take a, take a spray uh, when I do it. So, but we do praise the Lord for what he was able to uh, get me through and what we were able to do this last furlough. So let's go ahead and go through the pictures real quick. There's not too many of them, and I'll just talk to them. If you have any questions, just go ahead and, and raise your hand and say something. Our four children, Ray Sr., uh, is, or Ray Jr., I should say, is down in Texas. He was take, uh, in the Army. He was medically discharged, and they're living down there with our two oldest grandchildren. Uh, one is 18, and the other one is 15. And so they're doing well, and uh, the Lord's been blessing there. They just survived a hailstorm with hail the size of, the size of uh, small baseball. So they're getting, finally getting their car repaired and getting their house repaired and things like that. Uh, my wife just gave me a signal. That's the next slide, so we won't go through that anymore. But the various parts of our ministries there, we were involved in, in VBSs and handing out tracts. Bottom right is Gia dos Finados, Day of the Dead. We would go to the cemeteries and hand out tracts. And I had one smart guy ask me, why you're handing out tracts to dead people? They're dead. They don't need them. Uh, no, that's not the idea. We were handing out to the people. Because there, the Day of the Dead, everyone goes to the cemetery. Everyone. And so when they do, that's a perfect opportunity to hand out tracts and give them the gospel. Okay, let's go to the next one. Okay, here's our children. Ray Jr. is the bottom left-hand corner. That's his wife, Julie, and Ray three, and Nathan. And like I said, they're in Texas. The one on the far right is Matthew, our second son. He's a teacher, an art teacher. Uh, currently, he's getting it, setting up to do video classes. And so to try to reach more people, try to reach homeschool children, teaching art and things like that. Uh, Michael in the middle is just got married a couple of weeks ago to Elizabeth, a real sweet gal, and they're living in Brookfield over near Milwaukee. And then Leah in the upper left-hand corner is married to Christian, and they have our two granddaughters. That's Maybell and Sable. I have to pronounce it right now. <laughs> we call her Sable Sable. But it's Sable, she's one, and Maybell is three. And they're serving the Lord in, in local churches, and we praise the Lord for that. And our most recent area of ministry was in the northern part of the uh, state of Paraná. As you can see on the map, if you look at the map of Brazil, it's really easy to find because Brazil being this part here, okay, right here, you just count up one, two, three states. Sao Paulo is right here. Our city was almost right straight west of Sao Paulo. The city of Londrina uh, was the biggest city there, about a quarter of a million people uh, where we were ministering. And we, what we did is we helped them at Calvary Baptist Church in Londrina get the church going, and we uh, helped them with VBSs and things like that. We had a young couple, start, had a church, took over a church about an hour drive away, uh, about 45 kilometers, with, uh, divided by 6, 10, about 20, about 15, 20 miles away, said, we want to start a second church. And we want to start in a small rural town of about 4,000 people. So we said, all right, we'll help you do it. And so what we did, went to the town of Tamarana. It's located in the state of Paraná. It is a farming community. Most everybody lives outside of the city. They're farmers, uh, wheat farmers, uh, things like that. Pretty much everything is agricultural. And in reaching those people, it was sometimes a little bit different. Sometimes it was a little bit difficult. Uh, a different way of life. 
Uh, you can see the road on the top left hand. That's called Parallelepipedu. What it is is little rocks about that big. Okay? They're laid by hand for miles and miles and miles and miles and hundreds of miles. And that's what's out there in the country. And they just lay, lay, lay them down. Sometimes they put dirt between them. Sometimes they put crushed rock. They drive, initially, drive dump trucks and stuff over it. It's still not real level, even yet then. Uh, pastor was telling us in Iceland, when it says do 30, do less than 30, that's kind of the way there. When it, You don't go real fast uh, over those. But they live in very simple houses on the top left. Uh, we usually, when we go out into their houses, out into the farming communities, they like to have a meeting in their home every so often to bring in neighbors, to reach their neighbors with the gospel because it's hard for the neighbors to come uh, into town because it is quite a ways and they can't leave their farms. So we go out there and do uh, the meetings out there in, their, in those communities. And there's our little, our little church in the top right-hand corner. What we did is we built a building. Uh, after we started, well, I should say we started in that one. It was about as big as this group of chairs right here, or smaller. We had everybody in there, kids and everybody. And when you put about 30 people in there and try to teach a Sunday school class to kids and a Sunday school class to adults, it gets a little hairy once in a while. Uh, especially when you have a little child that you count three times when you count roll, because you start counting there and by the time you're done, he's up here. Okay, so we had a couple of those that made numbers what good, but anyway. So we decided to move on the upper left-hand corner. That's a new building that we built. Uh, what we had, it's 12 meters, or I'm sorry, yes, 12 meters by 4 meters, which would be 36 feet long by about 12 feet wide. We put in a small classroom for Annette, for the Sunday school, for the children, and then an auditorium, and we put in two small bathrooms. The land that it's sitting on, they bought. They were able to buy. And they're making payments on it now with the plans to building a builder, bigger building in the future. But we put this small building there now so that they can start meeting on their land. Okay? All right, let's go on. Next. Okay, and then this was the initial construction on it. There, everything is done by brick. Brick or concrete. We do very little by wood, usually just the rafters or something like that. Uh, it was exciting because all the buildings that I have had the privilege to build to initially were the buildings we were building were built by the people in the church. Their labor is 60% of the cost of building. And so it takes longer, but the, pro but the end product is this is our building. But not only that, during these various constructions, we've seen truck drivers come to know Christ as Savior. We've seen delivery boys come to know Christ as Savior. We've had people in the community come by and say, Pastor, I've got a bunch of rocks that were left over from my construction. I don't need them anymore. Do you want them? Nah, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't want anything like that. Well, sure, so we send some kids up there with wheelbarrows and pick them up and bring them back to the construction. The community is involved in, in the church. Uh, so we, we've, we praise the Lord for that. And when uh, there's times... Uh, like one gentleman, all his job was being a chauffeur in one of our churches. He took his, he took his vacation. He said, I want to work at the church for my vacation. I, I said, well, do you know how to lay bricks? He says, no, I have no idea. So I said, okay, not a problem. He came in. We taught him how to do it. He laid the wall up. Well, the wall just happened to go a little like that. <laughs> so when he left, we took it down built it up a little straighter. And when his wife came, she looked at it. He said, I built that wall. And she looked at it. She said, wow, it's 
fairly, fairly straight. She said, did you really? He said, yeah. And she looked at me and said, did he really? And I said, he built a wall there. I didn't tell her he built that wall, but I said he built a wall there. But he was just so proud of that. But just taking his vacation to help the construction on the church. Because it was his church. That's what it was all about. Let's go to the next. And yes, we have to still have a bus ministry because many of the children there don't have a way to get in. So what I do is, it's called a combi. It's actually just a, a microbus, VW microbus, with two big seats in the back. Um, I don't tell everybody. The document says you're supposed to put nine in there. I put 17. Um, so we tend to fill it up. Well, I put 36 in a pickup one time, took them in. So anyway, but we fill it up. We bring them into church. And we, uh, when, we need, when we have the opportunity to go somewhere else to another church to for a special presentation or something, the Lord gave us this vehicle. We can carry a lot of the people from the church there and go. And we're excited about that. And then these are the various couples that are in the church that are there different. When we started the church, we had a couple of couples top left-hand corner. Uh, that young couple had uh, been going to another church, not saved, not married, not living for the Lord in any way, shape, or form. While, they, while we were there, the, the couple of years we were there, they come to know Christ as their Savior. We baptized them. They got married. And now they're living for the Lord. And we're just super excited about that. And there are two, two children. Uh, the older couple on the top left, or top right, they visit once in a while. They, run, they have a farm. It's quite a drive for them to come. It's a little difficult. But when they can, they come. And we just praise the Lord when they're able to be there. When they're not, we take the comb because it sets high off the ground. Uh, we take that and go out and have a service with them uh, out there. The young couple on the bottom right-hand corner, he's one of the men that helped me. Bill helped with a lot of the construction. Uh, very, uh, a young man, very good with his hands as far as construction material goes and things, construction, things like that go. Uh, okay, let's go to the next one. And then here's that young couple, the couple that was on the top left-hand corner. That's them in the right-hand corner signing their marriage certificate. And when they got married at the uh, courthouse, we were there and were able to be participate in that ceremony. In the middle on the bottom is the finished product. Uh, the roof looks crooked. It's actually not. It's just the picture, the way the picture turned. I just want to clarify that. Uh, I didn't make a crooked roof or anything like that. It's just the way it worked out and the angle and everything. Uh, and there's uh, in the top uh, is our pulpit. For right now, it's a table. We did get a pulpit built later that we were able to use there in the church. Okay, next one. All right, Calvary Baptist Church in Londrina is a second of a uh, work of another missionary. Uh, we were able to go in there and help them. In the, when they built this auditorium, I helped them finish this auditorium, and he was on leave, on furlough. We built the auditorium, got the church up. Now what we did is on the right-hand side, they bought a second piece of land. They wanted to build a uh, house for the pastor and an area for teens, a uh, recreation area for teens, because they don't have anything like that in Brazil. You do it on the street or you do it in an empty lot. This way they can control it. It's inside a fence and, and things like that. Put in a little area where they could have snacks. And so myself and one of the other men, uh, two other men, uh, we're building, we're taking care of that side area, uh, that area. And this is us there. You see the man on, see the three of us on the right. We had to use that jackhammer and the holes you see in the middle, we had to put 32 of those in. They're 
they're 50 centi 60 centimeters square and 70 centimeters deep, which is uh, two feet by two feet by uh, two and a half feet. We had to use that 30, 30 kilo jackhammer to dig. We could not use a pickaxe. We couldn't use a steel rod or anything. We had to use that uh, jackhammer. So it took us a little while to, to dig through that clay. But Lord blessed us and we got it. Uh, you see in the top left-hand corner, we're tearing down the old wall that was half falling. Uh, we're tearing that down to, to be able to build up a new one. What they do is your piece of land, you put up a wall all the way around it, about six feet high, and to get, so that you have security and to help keep... Uh, it's actually will become in the future part of the building, okay? And then here's some more pouring the footers, uh, digging the what we call yeah the footers in between the pillars. What we had to do is after we dug those holes, then we had to dig a hole a foot wide, 24 feet deep, and then we fill it with concrete and steel, and that's what makes the foundation of the church, and or, or the building in this case there. And that's his family down in the bottom left hand, bottom right hand corner, Sidu. Uh, and it's really neat because during this construction, that's when Sidu was baptized. And his family coming to church. The young man, the man up in the top right, accepted Christ during the construction one day and, got, and we baptized him just a couple weeks later. And so we praise the Lord for that. I, I love construction. I love to see people come to know Christ because we're on a one-on-one -on -one many times and it's, it's, I love to be able to do that. And do continue to pray for us as we're in the field of the harvest and just like you are here. But in Brazil, there's a lot of areas that are still do not have the gospel. And so we're excited about being able to be part of this and part of what has taken place over the years. These are verses that we've used over the years that we still use today. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Romans 10, 14 and 15. A couple of things I want to I share with you. Turn with me to Matthew, Matthew chapter... Uh, let's go to Luke. Yeah, Matthew chapter 9. We'll do Luke after. Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. There are a couple of verses I sent to pastor. Our biggest ministry on furlough is, yes, as Paul said, to rehearse. But it's also to encourage people to continue in the ministry, to continue in the work. And in doing so, we want to portray our encouragement and what God has done for us and how God has blessed us. When we were on deputation, we were in 300 churches in three years presenting the ministry. We had small churches. We were in churches where we doubled, my family, the fa there are six of us, we doubled the congregation. And people, I had missionaries tell me, well, I don't go to those churches because they don't have support. Five of those churches took us on for support five years later. And you know what they said? When we were able to start supporting a missionary, you were the first ones we thought of because you were willing to come when we only had five people and give us missions. That's what God called me to do. I pastored a small church in the mountains of Tennessee. When we started, we started with three other people other than my family. Three years later, we left, there was 55 people coming. 
Encouragement. That's why I like encouraging churches. I've started, the, when I started Maranatha, and we were turning Maranatha over, and we were turning Bethel over, I told the two young pastors that were there, don't ever compare numbers. Dr. Lee Robertson, the chancellor and president of Tennessee Temple and uh, pastor of Highland Park Baptist Church, he always told us when he met with the men of the ch in Bible college, he said, men, God's not impressed with numbers. He said, when we get to heaven as pastors, God is going to ask us one question. We all have to answer it. And that question is, were you faithful with the sheep that I gave you? He said, he doesn't care that I've got 5,000 coming and you've got eight. We have to answer yes or no. We can't answer, well, God, I had 5,000 people and, and this and that. He said, no, it's yes or no. It's yes or no. And I've always remembered that. And that's, I encourage young pastors. It's not numbers. It's what you're doing with them. God will take care of the numbers. When, I went on, when we went on deputation, I told God, you take care of the money, I'll take care of the preaching. Now, I know people say, well, that sounds kind of prideful. You have to understand who I am. I don't worry about money. God takes care of that. He's done it for more than one time in my life. About halfway through our ministry, we were at a point where we were getting short on money. I'll be honest with you. We had, things were tight. We had some churches drop us and clothes and things like that. And a young gentleman that we've known for years and pastor knows, <clears throat> is the NFL, he plays in the NFL, played in the NFL, he's retired since then. And we knew him, knew him since he was this big. He said, Ray, I'm, I want to help you. He said, I'll support you for this amount and bring you back up to 100%. So for the next 10 years, he did that. And slowly our churches started growing up a little bit and offerings started coming in. A couple of new churches took us on. Well, a couple of years ago, Joe said, Ray, I've got a cousin. Is there any chance I can take that money in now and support him because he's going on in a deputation? I said, Joe, you do what you want to. I said, God's going to take care of us. Two weeks ago, we had, when Michael got married, there his parents came. And I told his parents, I said, you need to tell your son that when he stopped supporting us, in six months, God brought the rest of the, brought all that back in from other places. We didn't even feel the lack. That's the way God works. God told me when I got saved, he'd take care of me. Now, taking care of you, I didn't understand. Now, I'm a, I'm a Michigander. I'm a troll. I'm from Indian River, Michigan. Okay, I'm from under the bridge. You all know that term. I went down to Tennessee Temple to go to school, and I got introduced to grits. Okay, calm down. Y'all are Yankees. You don't know, you're youpers. You don't know how to eat grits. Okay? You people eat grits with sugar and milk on them, right? Oh, gag. There's nothing worse than grits with milk and sugar on them. Grits are to be eaten with real butter, a glob of real butter about that big, and pepper, and two soft fried eggs. 
That's where you eat grits. Okay? And the older the person that makes the grits, the better the grits are. Okay? Where am I going with this? Oh, when we were in Bible college, things got tight. Now, God said he'd take care of us. Well, what I didn't understand is taking care of you might be things that you don't necessarily like. We had a box of food that was given to us, and you know what was in it? Packages of instant bacon-flavored grits. Oh, sweetie, have you ever eaten beach sand with cheese in it? That's kind of what it was like. <laughs> oh, I tell you what. Did you ever eat something? Praise the Lord. <laughs> we ate them because that's what we had to eat. That's what we had to eat. God never said he'd give me steak and potatoes. He said he'd provide for my needs. And he has. Now, you can tell I haven't went without many meals, okay? <laughs> God has taken care of us, and he'll take care of you. My oldest son, he, when he got hurt in the military and he had to retire before his, everything kicked in and stuff, he called and he said, Dad, things are getting tight. I said, well, I'm not going to let my grandkids starve. I'll send them some money. for You can buy food for them, right? You let your son starve. You're not going to let your grandkids starve. <laughs> But I said, I'm not going to pay your bills for you. He said, you and Julie need to grow. He said, okay. Three months later, he called me back. He said, Dad, you were right. God took care of it all. God took care of everything. In our ministry in Brazil, in Calvary, when we were there, we started a ministry with autism, autistic children. Ray and Julie, when Julie got pregnant, they found out that Ray, our oldest grandson, was going to be autistic. And he called and he said, Dad, what did I do wrong? What did we do wrong? I said, what do you mean? He said, Ray 3 is going to have autism. I said, yeah, so? I said, God knows you, could, you and Julie can take care of a child like that. There's a reason for it. A few years later, in Brazil, we come across a family that was coming to the church at Calvary, and her sister had an autistic child, same age as Ray, three. So we made a visit on him, and we visited him and to encourage him to come to church. Well, she was afraid to come to church because he would walk around and different things and stuff. I said, don't worry about it. So we had a Bible study with him for about three, four months in the home, getting him used to us and getting him used to us and things like that. And stuff. And so I said, next, in two weeks, you're going to bring him to Sunday school. Well, I don't know. I said, no, that's not a request. You will bring him to Sunday school. And they said, okay. So the next week when I went to Sunday school, when I went to, in, to church in the Sunday school, I said, told everybody, we're going to have a special visitor next week. It's a 15-year-old boy and he's autistic. I said, do you know what that means? And a lot of them, no. And so I explained it to him, and I said, he's going to get up, he's going to walk around, he's going to talk out loud, he's going to laugh, he's going to do things, but you just look at me. Okay, don't pay attention to him, because after a while you'll get used to it. Well, they came, and the first thing he did was start going to all the doors and opening the doors, and his mother started to panic. I said, go sit down. I said, leave him alone. 
I went with him. I opened the doors. If they were locked, I unlocked them. I opened the door. I showed him what was in there, closed the door. He never went back to that door. During church, we had an overhead projector. And so he discovered that he could make animals in the overhead projector with his hands. And so in the middle of the song service, he'd be up there doing hand gestures in the middle of the, in the light, you know, and different things like that. And when I started preaching and he'd get up and walk around, they'd start looking. I'd say, yep, oh, I'm up here. I'm the one talking. Look up here. Well, after a couple of weeks, one of the older ladies in the church said, Pastor, you know what? I didn't know what to expect. But she says, you know, I hardly ever notice him doing anything anymore. We ended up with three families and five autistic children because no other church wanted them. Is it work? You better believe it. You better believe it. But when you give now that family the opportunity to come and sit in church and hear the gospel and accept Christ as Savior. One of the autistic children, he would come with his mother. His father left him when they were young. He was coming. He'd go home during the week and he'd be Pastor Ray. He'd get his brothers and sisters to sit down. And he'd preach to them and they'd sing and they'd stuff like that at home. And so he, would, he found out I wasn't going to be there. He wouldn't go to church. He wouldn't go on days I wasn't there. God loves them. They're great. Ministries is never what we expect. But one of the things that God told us, that Christ told us, is what he said here. It, it, you're going to find this in seven places in the Bible. And we're not going to look at all seven because we could be here till 1230 or so. So let's go to Matthew chapter 9 and verses 1 through 6. This same emphasis was given. Okay. Let's, okay. In English. Joshua. That's something like what it wasn't. Okay, Joshua. Encouragement. Look at chapter 9, look at verse, verse 1. Find the page, it's here. It's in the New Testament, right? Yeah. He entered into a ship and passed over and came unto his own, own city. And behold, they brought to him a sick man of the palsy lying in, on a bed. And Jesus, seeking, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins, have, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes and Pharisees said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is easier, I say to, th I, to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of God hath power on earth to forgive sins. I like that. We can be of a good courage. We can be excited about our ministry. Why? Because Christ has the power to forgive sins. Did you ever think about that? Did you ever stop and meditate on that? What that means? The power to forgive sins. Only one person. Jesus Christ. But not only that, look at who he forgave. You're looking at a farm boy. I grew up on a farm. My last two years of high school was auto mechanics and small engine repair. Okay? I raced stock cars on the weekend. When I went to, got saved and I 
went in the Air Force and got saved over in Spain. I was going to buy, got called to go to Bible college, and somebody said, well, you're going to have to develop some study habits. I said, I don't need any bad habits. i got enough. <laughs> okay? But God took care of that because he gave me a very intelligent wife that helped me. I couldn't... I, she used to have to translate my notes when I'd take notes during classes and I'd bring them home, we'd go over them together, she'd translate them into English from Ronk, okay? Because I couldn't even read them half the time. <laughs> so I feel for you. I went to Bible college. I crammed a four-year degree into six years. <laughs> they tell you, they tell you, you got to be done in a hurry. Don't believe them. <laughs> Don't be in a hurry. While at Bible college, I pastored the church. I worked 40 plus hours a week. We arrived there with two and we left with four and we were all paid for. We had two children while we were there. When I left, we didn't owe anybody anything. All our bills were paid. Hospital bills and everything. But the power to save, why did he save you? It's the scriptural answer of a three-year-old. When you ask that three-year-old, why did you do that? And they look at you and say, because. Ask God why you saved me. What's God going to say? Because. That's love. That's love. But did you ever think about it? He saved you, but what else did he do for you? What did he do to this guy? He healed this guy, but this guy had been paralyzed for 30 years. I sat in a chair longer than 10 minutes and my feet go to sleep. I can't even walk. Can you imagine 30 years? I had my knee replaced. Had walked with crutches for two years. When they replaced my knee, they went in and they got me out of bed and pulled my feet off and she stood me up and I started to cry. She said, are you in pain? I said, praise the Lord now. After some odd years, I'm not in pain. Well, I started taking therapy, and I couldn't bend my leg backwards, laying on my stomach. It's part of the therapy. And she said, why? I said, I don't know. <laughs> and so she looked, and she said, well, you have no muscle tone from here down because you haven't used this leg. We had to change therapy, change it from the knee to the muscles. That was just a few years. I couldn't imagine 30 years of not walking at all. But that man immediately got up and started walking and carried his bed. When God saves you of your, of your sins, he saves you completely. He gives you a whole new life. He gave this man a whole new life. A completely healed life. And that's what he gives you and I. And I praise the Lord for that every day. I praise the Lord for that every day. 
that we are saved completely of all our sins when we ask him to come into our heart and save us. For the sake of time, oh, I need to explain to you, we do open-air meetings, and a lot of times the open-air meetings go four hours. We tag-team preach. We start at 7 o'clock at night, and we're done at 11. We plug in a projector in a town center, get energy from somebody, plug in a projector in a town center, flip up two pieces of plywood on the back of a pickup and use a projector. And one guy will preach, another guy will preach, another guy will preach. Sometimes we'll show a film or something. Well, during that time, they like to give snacks. Sometimes some people will bring us a snack or something. One night, this lady brought a pan out, and it looked like jello, and it was all cut and square. So I picked it up, and I ate it. And I said, the missionary that was with me, I said, it tastes a little different. He says, yeah. He said, what is it? I said, I'm not sure. It kind of tastes like jello. He says, yeah, it is, but not really. He said, it's pig's blood mixed with applesauce. <laughs> if you don't know, it can't hurt you. <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, I didn't go back for seconds, needless to say. But it was good. I can't complain. Mark chapter 14. Uh, no, Mark 6. Let's use Mark 6. Mark 6. Got too many verses. I told pastor I was in a church one time, a good friend of mine. I was preaching. It got to be nude. And a little boy here in the front row held up a sign. He said, 12 o'clock. So I shut it down. And the pastor asked me later. He said, Ray, why would you shut down so quick? I said, well, a little boy in the front row held up a sign. and said it was 12 o'clock. Figured being you, being as old as you are, you need to get scared. You don't remember. So he held it up for you to stop. He said, no, that's not what it is. He said, who was it? I pointed him out, and the pastor said, that's my grandson. I'll take care of him. <laughs> I don't have any little kids here. You don't have a sign that says noon. Do you? No, okay. <laughs> Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethesda, while he sent away the people, and when he had sent, away, sent them away, he departed into the mountain to pray. And when, he, when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and in in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cameth unto them, walking on, upon the sea, and would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out and, they, and all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he walked with them and saith unto them, be of good cheer. It is I, be not afraid. We can be encouraged because we have the Lord's protection and care. I love this phrase. Did you see here? He did it again. What did he say? Be of good cheer. Why? It is I. I studied that out and I got to looking at it. You know what it means? It is me and me alone and no one else. And no one equal to me. Don't that give you holy bumps? Thinking about we have a Savior that is so wonderful that he is going to take care of us. And he can do it all. 
It is I. And he tells you, be not afraid. Be not afraid. You know what that means? When I put my three-year-old granddaughter someplace, when she's working with me, and I, I can put her up high and tell her, jump, grandpa will catch you, and she jumps. And she don't even think about it. She just jumps. That's what that means. Simple illustration, but that's what that means. That's how we can trust him. When he says he's going to care for us and he's going to protect us, that's exactly what he means. He's going to do it. We are on one of the constructions at Maranatha, the first church we built, and we only had one person that got in an accident, and you're looking at him. We had built a wall on a building next to the, our member of our church, and on the roof that some of the cement had fallen down that when we put the bricks up, it falls off before you can catch it. Falls down here. Well, I had a broom and I was sweeping it and I forgot that the bricks, was, the mortar was still wet and I leaned on it and I fell. And fell over. Well, luckily there was a four, uh, four by six that was underneath the roof of his house. So I hit that four by six right down through here. I got four stitches inside, three stitches in my lip and four on, on the outside. They pulled me up by my feet back up under up on the other building. <laughs> but God protects us. God protects us. We are in Mount Eagle Mountain. Up in the mountains, okay? This is up in the mountains. We are above the clouds on Mount Eagle Mountain. Thunderstorm's coming. So we're going down that mountain in a little wagon, our, four, our family and our four kids. I said, Ray, the oldest boy, he's about eight or nine, I said, you need to pray for us. I can't, I can't do it. To, I'm driving. So he prayed for us. Well, we went down the mountain in a thunderstorm, in lightning and everything, all the way around us, went down the mountain, got into a little town of Jasper, Tennessee. Well, in Jasper, Tennessee, the clock on the bank said 923. So we went into Jasper, turned the corner, and went around, got on the expressway, and went to Chattanooga. It's about an hour drive away. We turned the TV on. The TV, when we turned the TV on, they said a tornado went through Jasper, Tennessee tonight. I thought, well, that was pretty cool because we were there. It went through at 925. At 925, it completely destroyed Lucifer's liquors on the, other, on the back side of the bank. We were less than 20 feet from it. I looked at my son and I said, does God answer prayer? <laughs> huh? That's protection. You may not know how God protects us. But he's doing it. My wife always tells me, I tell her, Annette, we're going to be late. She says, yeah, but it's probably going to avoid an accident or something. Anyway. <laughs> My dad always taught us you leave 15 minutes early. If you get there 15 minutes early, you can he taught us to change the tire in 11 and a half minutes. So as we were always 15 minutes early everywhere we went. But that's by the wayside. But anyway. God's protection, it's me and only me. That's how wonderful our God is. We don't need anybody else. We don't need anything else. It's me. Folks, we never know. I told Pastor, I, to me, God's got a sense of humor. I know he's going to do it, but he's got a sense of humor because he always does it in so many different ways that I don't see it coming. 
just to let him know I can do it. It lets me know I could. he's doing it. It's him that's doing it. It's not me. I could spend the next two hours giving you examples of different things, how God is blessed. I'll share this one and then I'll stop. Lady at the post office, I could not reach this lady with the gospel for nothing. She wouldn't talk to me. She wouldn't smile. She wouldn't do anything. I tried talking to her. I tried leaving her tracks. tried doing everything. So one day I get a package in the mail, a little manila envelope. I open up this envelope and inside is some, a bag of candy. So I look at her and I say, ma'am, could I give you a kiss? She gave me the same reaction. She no, I don't think so. And so I took out two Hershey Kisses and I said, well, here, these are Hershey Kisses. They're chocolate. And I explained it to her and I gave them to her. Oh, these are good. I like these. She started talking to me a little bit. Well, about three months later, we had this same gal, I sent that to her. She sent me another package. And so this gal was in there and I said, would you, she was there, but another gal was there. And I said, would anybody like a kiss? And this lady said, well, I'll take two or three. And the other girl with her looked at her like, what's going on? So I gave her some and I gave the other girl some. She started taking tracks from me. She started taking literature. Would listen to her and I'd tell them about the gospel. I don't know if she ever got saved or not. We left the town, went to another city. But before I left, I went in there and I promised her I'd bring her back when I came back. So we went back to Brazil and I went in there the next time and she wasn't in there. She was in the back. And I asked where she was at. And they said, she's in the back. And so I hollered real loud, does anybody want a kiss? And she come running out. I'll take one. I'll take one. And they're all looking. I was like, crazy. And so I gave her a bag of Hershey Kisses. But it's, God works the same way with us. We never know what we can use to reach people with the gospel. It can be as simple as a bag of Hershey Kisses. It can be a simple, wordless, you know what the wordless book is? the little worms, a church sent us 6,000 of them. Well, Alfandiga, which is customs, called me to the post office, called me in the back, and they said, what is this? They said, we got all these boxes full of them. I said, well, it's a wordless book. And so I took it out, and I started explaining to them, and pretty soon I had a crowd giving them the verses and telling them the verses and what each color meant and stuff like that. And so I gave them all some. And so you never know what God can use to reach somebody with the gospel. Simple things. But what it's all about is, it's I. Two simple words. It's Jesus Christ. Trust Christ to do it. And he'll do it. It's as simple as that. He wants to do it for us. He wants us to be encouraged in the ministry I want to encourage the men to participate in VBS. I like VBS. Most of the VBSs, you know what my role is as pastor? Sit in a chair somewhere. But I got four or five kids who usually come and sit in my lap because they don't have a dad. I'm dad. Most of the time, it's just having a man there. It's that security. And I'm, I know I'm not racist. No, I'm not saying it's it or anything like it's sexist. It's none of that. It's just the way it is. Just having a man in there with them to help them. 
It also shows the teen boys a man can help in VBS. Okay? We have a lot of, when we do VBSs in Brazil, Maranatha does their VBS. The week after, Maranatha, Bethel does their VBS, and all the kids from Maranatha, all the helpers of Maranatha, go over to Bethel and do Bethel. I'll explain to you why. At Bethel, two years ago, when they did their VBS, they started with 50 kids on Monday. They had 165 on Friday. <laughs> Pastor come to me and he says, what are we going to do? I said, just calm down for one thing. Just relax. I said, the kids, sort them out. Kids that's here for the first time today, give them to so-and-so. She can do Monday's Bible lesson with them, Monday's craft. Kids that were there, have, this is their second time, give them on Tuesday and stuff like that. When they got all done, you know what the treat was? The VBS was based on the watermelon. Did you ever do a watermelon? You ever think about it? What's the color of a watermelon flower? Yellow. What's the color of the outside of the watermelon? What's the color of the next inside the green but before the red? White. What color are the seeds? What color is the watermelon? You got the wordless book. 160 kids. Found a guy with a cart, horse cart, and I said, how many watermelon can you bring me in in two hours? He said, about a thousand. About a thousand. I said, well, I don't need a thousand, but I need about 60 of them. He said, I'll have them here. When VBS was done, I set up a table out back on some sawhorse and I cut up 50 watermelons and handed them out to 160 kids for a snack. God provides. Had over 25 of those kids get saved. Start coming to church, the kids club. You never know what God's going to do for us. It may not be the way we think, but God's going to do it. Why? Because he's God. It is I. It is I. It's neat. We get letters back from those kids, those small kids. We'll go back to Maranatha. 20 years later, they called me back to preach this 20-year anniversary and had kids come and say, Pastor, thank you for this. Had a young boy come up. He said, Pastor, he said, I want to thank you. I said, why? He said, when I was in jail as a teen, you're the only person that came to visit me. He said, I've never forgotten that. Young kids come up and say, Pastor, I was in this VBS and I'm going, I got saved and I'm going to church here. It's been years later. We never know. But God does. God does. And that's what's important. Let's pray. Father, more than anything, help us not to doubt the power and the love of your son, Jesus Christ on each and every one of us. Simple words, be of good cheer. Why? Because he loved us and he died in our place. Why? Because he wants to take care of us and protect us because that's who he is. Father, guide direct us in everything, especially the VBS coming up this week, that there'll be more helpers that need be and we'll see many children come to know Christ as Savior and Father we pray these things in Christ's name Amen well that's not bad 25 after thank you Ray appreciate that and that
Everybody have a better idea what they do now in Brazil? That guy can kiss me anytime. 